Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band, and every band guy wants to be an, 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 you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. You know, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought of like, well, maybe we should wear a Montreal jerseys. And the NHL was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network, where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music. Welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How are you doing this week, buddy? Good, how are you? Doing fantastic, still under quarantine. Uh, I'm finally you're... out. Yeah, you're finally out. Uh, so, jealous of you there. Uh, I still have like five days left. Oof. Just top. The last... The last couple are going to be the hardest once the World Juniors are over. Like, right now, it hasn't been too bad because there's always just hockey on. Yeah, January 1st got pretty boring, didn't it? Yeah, I watched college football, which I never do. Yeah, but... that was the f- probably the first game I watched. And I ended up watching basketball, which I never do. I know. And it's like, I don't know. People were always hyping up this Trevor Lawrence guy. And, like, I've always seen him play once, but I don't know. <laughs> Seemed to me like this Justin Field guy it might be, he might be the guy. He's pretty good. Could be playing for my Jaguars next year. Your Jaguars. Yeah. Undefeated next year. Undefeated next year. All right, you heard it here first. You heard, heard it here it first. Here first, folks. Um. But yeah, we we got lots to talk about today. Obviously, Panthers camp opens. World Junior still going on. Some Panthers prospects still playing there. Uh, wanted to start off today, though. I want a big shout out uh, to Jamie P. Wayans, uh, who designed some awesome reverse retro uh, designs for the podcast. They look fantastic. Uh, so definitely going to be using those throughout the year. So thank you so much, Jamie. We really appreciate those there. 
uh, awesome. So to everyone else, stay tuned. Uh, check them out on our page. We'll have those posted uh, in the next couple of days uh, and should be good. But uh, World Juniors, no quarterfinals. Uh, obviously, probably like quarterfinals, probably the, the the best and toughest day of the tournament. Because like yeah. you have you have the group stages, and for the most part, you know it's going to happen. Like really, the only surprise this year in the group stage was probably the Czech win over Russia, which was which was big. Mm-hmm. Um, but quarterfinals, because usually, you know, if you lose in the semis, you get another game. You have to play for bronze. But the the quarterfinals is that win or go home uh, stage. Um, and so, starting up the day yesterday, uh, we had. Uh, a game between Germany and Russia. And uh, were you surprised at all how close this one was? Um, yes and no. Um, I was surprised it was such a low-scoring game. Because, I mean, German goalie has not impressed me that much. But then again, he's I've only seen him play like twice. Um so I was expecting something like much more high scoring. I think that the fact that the Russians haven't been able to have a high octane offense so far is kind of worrisome from their point of view, but I thought it was a fantastic game. And I mean, Germany definitely got the opportunity to send it to overtime, but they just couldn't capitalize. Yeah. I mean, the Russia offense for me, this tournament has been underwhelming. I think like Petkolzin has been really good. Uh, and a couple other guys have been good, but they just don't get that sustained pressure that some of the other top teams have been getting. And a lot of shots from the point. Like, that's what killed them against the Czechs, was that every shot was from, like, 50 feet away. Yeah, and, I mean, that's something you notice about just, like, European teams in general, is they're they're used to the bigger ice, right? And their their style of play is let's get the best shooting option available, right? Let's get that. Let's prioritize, you know, passing the puck and getting the best shot option available. Whereas North America play on smaller ranks, and really the motto is just get pucks to the net, right? And, I mean, for me is Russia was, especially against the Czechs, they were, they were looking for that and they were, they were trying. It just wasn't working because the Czechs were playing such um, – such good like tight defense that they were blocking all those shots from the point they were they were doing such a great job of uh keeping them f- from getting that best shot option available and i think the, the best example of this is if you look at the usa sweden game the first two goals that the u.s scored Harrison and zegris were literally like probably the some of the two worst goals of the tournament um they just shot the puck at the net something a European team would not have done. Yeah, exactly. And uh, credit, credit to the Germans as well. Like, you can tell that they took a lot of their defensive structure from that Czech game. Yeah. For sure, which is – it's the it's way you have really to do a it. shame. It's just really a shame that we don't get to see the full German squad. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, all things considered, like, fantastic tournament for the Germans, qualifying for the quarterfinals for the first time. Uh, obviously, the first two games with, like, basically no players, uh, super difficult. But you get the sense, like, they lose 
you know, a, a one goal game. And they had that crossbar late by Ilyash. But it, I mean, Ilyash had some very good looks. I think he missed an open net in the second period or something. Um, like he he was playing really good that game. But he's playing really good all tournament. You know, it's if if you add those, just like who was it? Uh, Moritz Sider on defense, and I think Lucas Reichel up front. Yeah, I, he, I think that's a different. I think that's a different team. Oh, it completely is. And, and the nice thing is that, like, you know, I, obviously Tim Stutzler, we expect to be in the NHL this year. Uh, he's already off to Ottawa, and we don't think he's going to be available next year. Uh, but Rika will be, Paterka will be. So there's still, uh, you know, players there uh, for the Germans I, to hopefully be competitive. Yeah, and I thought I thought another thing from the, the game against Russia is – that must have been Paterka's worst game, in my opinion. I did not like the way he played. Um, is very underwhelming. Um, should have been much better, but I mean, at the end of the day, they weren't going to win that game. I don't. I I think that it just wasn't. You you couldn't see it happening. No, I I think that you know they played a great game. They just didn't have enough. Um, at the end of the day, they put up a really good fight. I mean, all the games yesterday were very, very close. Um, next game we'll talk about uh, Sweden, Finland. Uh, lots to talk about in this one. Obviously, three Panthers prospects in this game. Emil Heinemann for the Swedes and Lindell and Casper Pudio uh, for the Finns. And we expected this probably to be the best game yesterday. Uh, and absolutely was. Just a fantastic it game. Absolutely. Um and so, obviously, like, huge win for Finland. Big comeback, which is something they're pretty much known for in international tournaments. Yeah, and let's let's remember that they one of their goals got called back because there was an offside as well. Yeah, I hate I hate offside goals like that. It, I mean, it was – I for me, it's like that's – you look at it on the replay, that's pretty obviously an offside. How can the linesman not get that? Yeah, like it's definitely offside. Like it looked offside in real time too. It was like From- the goal against the number twenty-five of the Slovaks, uh, Mrazik. Um, the goal he scored against the Germans. I mean, that was just weak. Yeah. Like the, the I I the officiating I find has been extremely spotty in this tournament. And yeah, I, I agree. Like there there are penalties that they called at the beginning of the tournament that they. they just don't care about anymore yeah we're just something you see like in a lot of levels of hockey is like when the stakes get higher like you know the whistles go away Mm -hmm. so but i i feel like we've come to like a a standard of with the ihf where they just call everything no matter what yeah ihf definitely more like player safety focused yeah uh and especially in a tournament where these are all young kids um but yeah yeah finland that goal called off Definitely offside. I, I still don't like when goals like that are called off because look, the whole point of offside is really just to prevent cherry picking. And like, I, like it's offside, but it's offside by like, a, you know, six inches or a foot. Doesn't really make a difference. It was a great play. It was a fantastic Hanoa. play, yeah. Um, and in the end, it really, it really didn't matter for, for the Finns either way. Why? Because Anton Wendell wouldn't let him lose. Uh the guy's he's, just too good. 
he's he's scored in every single game for the Finns except I think they lost to Canada. Yeah. So Which... we can say we can say he's scored in every single Finland win. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and, and the thing I love about that is like he, he just he's so consistent and he plays the same way like a lot of the guys who have had really good tournaments so far like you know Zegris and and Stutzla like they're all very like flashy players whereas Anton Lindell he's just so consistent always in the right place where you don't notice him as much as the other guys but then out of nowhere he'll he'll be in the right spot and he'll he'll find the back of the net yeah no it's his ability to be at the right spot at the right time is really really good yeah and I mean, yeah, just a super impressive win yesterday for the for the Finns over over the Swedes. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about this a little off air is the, the goalie situation and for for the Swedish team was a little puzzling. Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, a point of intrigue. Uh, I think you and I both agree that we probably would have gone with Wallstead. I mean. I, I cannot pronounce the other guy's name. I know you Hugo can't. Hugo uh, Yeah, Augefeld. Um, Onefeld. Yeah, whatever. Um, he looked absolutely terrible against the U.S. Yeah. And I, he looked okay against the Finns, but Wallstead looked good, I thought. And, like, I, I get that they, they want to give their – the guy that has the more experience, the net, but yeah, and it's his last. It's going to be his last tournament. And... I mean, they lost the game, and at the end of the day, that that game-winning goal, not a that good should goal. not have been a goal. He no. he looked he looked absolutely lost out there trying to find the puck and just that that shouldn't have been a goal. Yeah, like I, I fully get why they went with on the felt against. Uh, the U.S. because it was a it was a back to back, and you don't want to play well. Like so, my thinking was, okay, they're going with all in the felt against the U.S. because they want to go back to Wallstead in the quarterfinals, which would have made sense. You know, he, he had a you know good game against Russia for the most part. He probably would like that that overtime goal back, um, because a bit sloppy with the rebound. But like for the most part, Wallstead yeah. was was pretty good, and so I thought okay, that yeah, this is going to be their goalie. So they'll go back to all on the felt to, to keep Wallstead fresh. Um, but no, they just they just went back to all on the felt for, for that game. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it, it really cost them because the Swedes kind of stopped playing after the first period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That also cost them. But also, side note, how good is Elmer Soderblom? He was unreal. That guy's awesome. Oh. Like, man, like the, the, we we talk about like players that just you don't really think of much before the tournament, and you come out of the tournament and you're like, oh my god, he's definitely one of them. Yeah, he's one of those guys that like not many people know about, and you watch him and like it, both his goals, like the between the legs goals, fantastic goals, but like really, like he had so many other good moments I mean, and nice they're, rushes. They're like deferring. Um, sources i heard six seven and one and six eight and the other but like man 
to be to able, be able to, to be that agile and that tall, he's going to be such an asset in the NHL. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a guy whose stock definitely elevated from this tournament. And I think a lot of people think now he's probably an NHL player where that probably wasn't the thinking beforehand. Um, so just great draft pick for, for the Red Wings. He looked fantastic. Yeah, and they, they love their, their, um, their European players. Yeah, I mean, that, that game had like an infinite amount of Red Wings prospects in it. <laughs> it seemed like. Yeah. <laughs> like every guy. Oh, drafted in the fourth round by the Red Wings. Yeah. Oh, Lucas Raymond, the fourth overall pick from the Red Wings. <laughs> and it's like, all right. So that, 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 was, that was the game for, for, for them. For Red Wings fans, for sure. Um, but yeah, tough one for the Swedes. And I mean, they like they they lost a lot of guys, obviously to to COVID that, that couldn't make the trip. They lost their entire coaching staff, so it was an uphill battle for them, really, from the start. And and their captain Broberg was hurt, pretty he much. Lo- yeah, he looked wounded. Like they- he looked. He looked so hurt. Like every game, like game against the Russians, well, he missed a game early in the tournament. Then he came back, and he he didn't look as you know yeah as sharp or as good as he usually does. And then he got banged up some more, and it was like he just kept playing, and I couldn't believe it. No, I, they, I mean, he had to go. The coach had to sit him in the third period of the U.S. game for the last ten minutes because he just looked. He looked that injured, and there was there was a hit, a late hit on him in that game. I think it was Senators prospect Clevin. Oh yes, yeah, so who hit him Senator's after prospect. the offside call? That was yeah. late. I mean, yeah, it was. He late. looked he looked like mangled after that. Well, I couldn't believe he even played that game against the U.S. Yeah. after the game against the Russia, where it's like he's been out there twenty five minutes. He can't move because he's tired and he's hurt. And it's like, can somebody get, I just felt so bad. I was like, can somebody get this guy off the ice? Um, but, but he wanted to be out there. Um, and, you know, at the I end mean, of the, that's, that's a warrior. Yeah. It's walking that line between warrior and stupidity. That is true. Very true. But, uh, you know, I, I don't blame him at all because, I imagine a lot of people in the same situation would be doing the same thing when you're playing for your country. Yeah, I I mean I, I can't blame him for that, but but yeah, overall great win for the Finns. Can't wait to watch them here in the semifinals coming up. Uh hopefully more great things from Anton Lindell uh as he continues uh you know to build up his draft stock. Or not his draft stock, his post draft stock. Uh and then the the other's Panthers prospect, Devin Levi, tending the net for Team Canada uh, against the Czechs yesterday. Close game again. Uh, it really was probably the first game where Levi actually had to like do something. To yeah, be honest. yeah. Like like in the other games, like yeah, he made some good saves and you know, but this was a game where he actually he had to be good for Canada to win this game. And and he he stepped up. Yeah, he did. And, and to me, the most impressive thing for Levi is, like, playing for Team Canada at the World Juniors uh, as a goalie. Like, first of all, Canada, their goalies all, always seem to suck at the World Juniors. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much our entire lifetime has just been, like... I mean, just 
trying to find a goalie that's just going to suck the least. Yeah, pretty much. And usually it doesn't work out. And like you talk about reasons why Canada loses and like nine times out of 10, it's goaltending. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think the reason for that is because like it's, it's such a high pressure situation because there's a lot of pressure on, on teams like Canada and the U.S. and, and Russia and Sweden uh, in that goalie spot. Like if you're Canada, you expect to win gold every year. That's the expectation for the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for a goalie in these one game eliminations uh, can be very difficult mentally. And I think that's like the most impressive part of Devin Levi for me is just how consistent and unfazed he seems. I mean, he really, really reminds me of Carey Price. Like he looks like identical, same style, just poised, composed. Um, it's it's uncanny, really, and very similar to Carter Hart's uh style of play is these guys just look so calm in the net and just come up big all the time. Yeah. Like the moment's never too big. And you talk about like early on in that game, like the checks had their chances, you know, when it was a a one goal game or when it was zero, zero. And and like, I won't say like, he doesn't always look the prettiest making the saves. Like there was a couple where, you know, he's giving up big rebounds and things like that. But as long as he's making the save and he looks, you know, calm and confident back there, I mean, you know, that, that's really all you can ask for. It, it really is. I mean, he, he looked unbelievable against Canada, and now we kind of have a possibility of having two, two Panthers goalies go at it in the final. Yeah, which would be awesome, first of all. It, w- it would be like, I, I can't even think of a time where it's happened before. No, I can't either. And like, Credit to the Panthers, like, scouting staff for, for, for finding Levi and drafting him. And I'd read that, like, uh, you know, the, the guy who's most vocal about drafting Levi, like, that was his guy was Roberto Luongo, who, like, I'm quite certain knows, you know, a thing or two about goaltending. Yeah, he, he, he has a little experience, I'd say. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, just for a kid who's, like, he's never played junior, only played junior A, he comes in here as a seventh round pick, not invited to the summer camp. And, you know, he, he won the starter job in camp and hasn't given it up, really. He Not at all. I mean, and the, the only time he, he didn't play was, I think, that was it that first? First game, game against Germany. Yeah, it was the Germany game. So it's it's been super impressive so far. And I mean, credit where credit is due. That's it's all him. And I mean, even though Andre Touringy didn't sound extremely convinced that he was the guy, um, there's he, no arguing the that he yeah. is. Yeah, he's just been fantastic. And like it's even in games like obviously yesterday he was brilliant. Uh, against the checks but in other games too like when you only face 10 shots a game like it's tough for a goalie to stay in a game like that and like it stay is. sharp like that can be really tough it, it it really can be but i mean i mean i would assume i'm not a goalie but <laughs> so, it's, so yeah no it's a fantastic game um canada played well i mean canada played as you would expect them to play at bowen byram uh, Jamie Drysdale pairing is unbelievable. 
they just dominate out there. It's it's crazy. Um, and Dylan Canada Cousins is definitely favorites really for the good. tournament. It's it's their tournament to lose as it is every year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And competition stuff. The U.S. Uh, they won their matchup last night against Slovakia. Probably a bit closer than they would yeah. have liked that game yeah. to be. <laughs> Definitely closer, closer than they wanted it to be. But um, it's not like they they control the pace of the game, right? And I think that it was, it was Slovakia scoring was bound to happen. Like like Slovakia did get like some decent looks. And, like, for the most part, Spencer Knight was there. Obviously, the two goals, like, you can't really fault them for, for either. No, and I, I think the U.S. missed a lot of offensive opportunities. Yeah, they looked snake bit for a long time there. They and, really and, did. And, and Slovakia's goalie was excellent, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is that as well. But a game they expect to win, and they, they're able to come away with it. Now they go to the uh, – the semifinals here going up against uh Finland. Finland. Yeah. Which team are you liking in that matchup? Uh Battle of Panthers prospects. It's it's a tough one. I'm gonna go with the US just because they definitely have the better goaltender in Spencer Knight. And I they, they they've already played once. We saw how that turned out. Um, it's. I think it's going to be an unbelievably close game. Yeah, I think like these are both two very like I would say very even teams. Um, but where I would give the U.S. the edge is in their their speed. They're a much faster team than than the Finns, I think, and they they have a lot more depth. Yeah, and I mean, I I think there is there are scenarios in which um, the U S does lose to Finland. That's if Finland can come out and play a very physical game, I think that's what, what would, um, that's what would falter the U S is a team that plays very physically against them. And we saw Slovakia, we saw it in glimpses yesterday. I mean, Slovakia is a big team. Exactly. Uh, and we saw Trevor Zegers. I mean, Trevor Zegers at the end of was it the first period? It was the first or second. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. There was so much it, hockey on yesterday. There was so much hockey. I can't remember if it was at the end of the first or second period, but he got that. And that was the first time that I thought to myself, Zegers might not be the perf- might not be perfect. I disagree. I think he's perfect. Because I mean, head like his head was fully down. Like he fully deserved to get rocked on that play. Yeah. I, it was, I, and I think that's, that's what can cause the U S to lose is if a team plays very physically against them. Yeah. And I think you've seen too, like the U S has struggled going up against really, really structured teams. Like Slovakia played a very structured (laughs) game. Um, even when they played the Russia, like Russia's kind of lost their structure, but they played pretty, uh, pretty sound against the U.S. And it'll be interesting to see how you know I, I like one team's going to go down and 
who's going to be better at battling back. Like we've seen the Finns do it time and time again. They had to do it against Sweden. Um, the U.S. hasn't really gone down and come back in a game. So if the U.S. goes down two goals, are they going to be able to, to have enough to get back or are the Finns able to lock it down? Right, and they try. They were down. They were down in the Russian game, and it was too little, too late. Um, a story we've seen far too many times. Um, yeah, if first goal is going to be crucial in that game. Yeah, and I expect the the Finns so far in this tournament. You know, as good as they've been, and obviously, you know, they're they've made it this far. But they have not gotten off to great starts in their in their tough games against. Uh, Canada and against uh, Sweden. So if the, the U.S. can jump, get a jump on them early, uh, put a couple of chances in, then you know the, the Finns might have to work their way back. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Definitely going to be a fun matchup. I mean, both of these are going to be uh, great matchups. Can't wait to watch them. Uh, Canada, Russia. Are you are you picking Canada on this one? I mean, I, I feel like I don't really have a choice. Um, going to be a great game. Going to be probably one of the, like, it's going to be one of the best games of the tournament, in my opinion. Um, the Russians get very flustered when a team applies heavy pressure on the four check. And Which is what Canada's done really well. Canada, Canada's forecheck by far is the best one of all the teams in the tournament. They they play such an aggressive. Uh, they always have two guys below the circles on the forecheck, and that I think that's where it's going to play. Is is Russia going to be able to handle that? Um, they were able to get zone entry against the Czechs when the Czechs are playing that passive 1-4. Um, yeah. They were able to get zone entry, but then they weren't able to create any opportunities. So from a Canadian point of view, I'm worried that if the Russians can get by those first two sets of forwards, it's essentially like a four on three after that. And the back check has to be very strong from the Canadians. But I'm not worried given the fact that the, the Russians have been like the, the the offensive the offense just hasn't been there for the Russians. And you look at the the game against Germany. All right, the first goal that the Russians scored was on the penalty kill. That goal should have never happened. the The German defensemen were just sleeping on the job. And well, I think that's also a good example of Russia like doing their homework on the German power play. I yes, because they knew Germany was going to be set up in that one-three-one. Yeah, and so yeah. they they knew where the weakness was going to be, and so like credit to them. Obviously, not great for Germany. Shouldn't happen, but good read. I mean, the they're, they're clearly not going to get those opportunities against Canada. That, I mean, I want to say that. Of course, I say that, and it's probably going to happen. But I I think that Canadian defense is much more aware of what's going on, and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. My my big concern for the Canadians would be Vasily Podkolzin. Because 
yeah. that guy has just been a nightmare for defenders in this tournament. Like, I know he doesn't have the same, like, offensive numbers as Stutzler or Zegers, but everything he does, like, he is so strong on the puck. He, like, and he's their best four checker by far. And really, if his line mates could, you know, finish some of his passes, you know, he'd probably be up there in tournament scoring and Russia would actually, you know, have an offense. Exactly. But, um, I think it's going to be a very good game. We're, we're looking at two teams that, while they play differently, are very similar in a lot of aspects. And it's going to be a great game. That's all I can say. It's going to be great. It also eliminates my prediction of a, a Canada-Russia final, which is disappointing. Yeah. But... I mean, that, that happened when... Didn't that happen when Russia did not win the group? Yeah. So, well, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of I, math going. There's I have, way too I, much. Yeah, I'm not sure because I, I was they under received, the impression they Canada was. Them. I thought Canada was going to play Finland in the semifinals, but no, because they reseed. Yeah, I didn't and realize Finland was they in two in Russia. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. The, the math is all over the place there, but. And I mean, these two teams they played in the they played a exhibition game against each other, one nothing Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that one, obviously, both teams have come a long way since then. So I expect like a very different game from that. I mean, and it's going to be interesting to see if Newhook plays for Canada. Yeah, because he's a big part of uh, everything Canada does. He's such a complete player uh, and can be a real difference maker for them. So we'll we'll see if he plays. Um, but I expect both these matchups to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, really couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, had had Sweden won against Finland, we'd be looking at one team from Group A and three teams from Group B. And I think that we can agree that having two of each is much better and much more interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you're Canada, would you have rather played Sweden or would you have rather played Russia? Probably Sweden, honestly. Um, yeah, I think definitely Sweden. Yeah. Uh, you know what's going to be really interesting is going to be the play of Yaroslav Askarov because I was I was watching him against the Americans in that first game. Did not look very confident in that. Um, was looking like he was looking back like to see if the shot trickled past or some some stuff. So from from that point of view. Uh, that was a little worrisome for them. Um, I know Ray Ferraro is not a fan. He's been uh, just listening to his commentary. You can tell that he's not sold on the Askarov uh, concept, but he has the potential to steal the game for the Russians. He does. And I, I agree with, with a little bit of what Ferraro has been saying that like there has been a lot of noise in Askarov's game, this tournament, like way too many rebounds. Um, a couple plays, and I think the the big thing, like if you're if you're scouting Askarov right now, like shoot high on the guy, like he crouches so low in his stance. I that the the the, the goal that he let in against the Germans, the Florian Eliash, yeah yeah, um, that should not have gone in. No, you should have. That was glove side. I mean, there wasn't much of a screen. Like yeah, it was there, a there's bit a of moving screen. screen, but like enough, yeah. he had enough time to. But like. You'd expect Askarov to stop that. Yeah, you, you, yeah. For a goalie like that, you'd expect a save. Um, 
but yeah, I think if I'm Canada, I'm shooting high. It would be nice if like as good as Canada's been, there's been a couple of guys who haven't really gotten going yet. This tournament, uh, two guys that stand out would be Jack Quinn and Cole Perfetti, two very high picks. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, I'm not, I, you know who I really have not been like affected by or like sold on is Dylan Holloway. Really? I actually don't. I, I like what he's brought. I, I thought, I think that, I mean, he's been very plain. Um, he got a goal against. Yeah, I, I he tipped it. It was, uh, that, that, that was Jacob Peltier's goal. Like, Holloway didn't even mean to tip it. He's in front, though. Well, this is the thing front, is like, like yeah, Dylan, well, no, right but here's the right thing. You're, I don't know. The thing for me with Dylan Holloway is he's been given a specific job on those top two lines, and he's done exactly that job, right? They're not asking him to go and like dance through the defense. They're saying, go get pucks and throw the body and get in front. And that <laughs> is all he's done. So I don't know what else you want from the guy. No, because Dylan, Dylan Cousins can do all that other stuff. And, yeah, and so can um, Connor McMichael, but somebody's got to get on the puck. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm not sold on the kid. Uh, still a lot of time. I doesn't like this is the World Juniors, right? This doesn't mean that you're going to be. Oh, the World Juniors means NHL nothing player. for players' development. Exactly, it means absolutely yeah. nothing for players' development. It, it really is just an opportunity to showcase young yeah. talent and for. It, it is an opportunity for young European players, so like 16 and 17-year-olds, to come over and kind of show what they have for the upcoming draft. I think that that's a, a significant opportunity for them. But for, for everyone, player, for players already drafted, it means absolutely nothing. No, there's well, been a lot. I mean, other than winning a – obviously, the winning a medal for your tournament is – very significant but from a player's development i it's hard to evaluate how much it actually affects them and i know jonathan taze said a few weeks ago that it was it was a huge part of his development but i'm not sure i'm i just i'm not sure how well i think that was more just it actually is i think that was more just speaking to his leadership yeah but i mean the, the leadership is obviously significant for their player's development as well yeah so like that part i get um, but yeah, I think Canada, like, yeah, as good as they've been, the couple guys that got to get going here, uh, hopefully in the semifinals, uh, we'll, we'll see. And I mean, by the next episode, this tournament will be done probably. Yep. yep. Uh, ends on Wednesday. No, is, ends on Tuesday. Ends on Tuesday. Ends on Tuesday. We record on Wednesday, so we'll have it all wrapped up. Uh, and have our final thoughts about the tournament then. Uh, before we go here, uh, World Juniors going on, but the Panthers have also opened up their uh, training camp for the start of the season, which begins in less than two weeks, which is awesome. Um, first of all, there was uh, two PTO invites, Scott Darling and Kevin Connaughton. Uh What are your thoughts on these two guys? Do you expect either of them to make the team or contribute? Uh, I don't expect Scott Darling to play. Um, I, could, I very well could be wrong. I have not seen him play in the past year, to be honest. I think he was, he had the third goalie role in Carolina. 
and he wasn't in the NHL last year. No, exactly. He played in the AHL. Um, so there's that, but I, I it's it's hard to see them actually carve out a spot. Um, maybe Connaughton. We'll see. Uh, it's always interesting, but I wouldn't hold my breath on either guy making the team. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Scott Darling, he played in Austria last year. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. I did not know but, that. Yeah, for me, like Scott Darling, first of all, uh, I mean, a guy who's had a lot of ups and downs on and off the ice. So just super happy that he's got another opportunity here. And I mean, really, like the Panthers, like goalie depth right now is not stellar. At the immediate level, obviously, you know, with Levi and, and Knight in the pipeline. But right now, you're looking at Bobrovsky, Drieger, and Montembeau. So, invite like, you, you bring in Scott Darling. I, I don't expect him to make the team either. But, you know, if he if he outplays the other guys, then great. Exactly. Uh, so, why not do it? Kevin Connaughton, a guy I've always kind of liked as a, as a depth D. Uh, I also don't expect him to make this team. Uh, just based on the personnel that's around. Um, but good for him for getting an invite, uh, which a, a lot of a lot of players signing PTOs right now, uh, just as camps kind of get underway. Uh, so, so good for him. We'll see what he can bring. Uh, also from camp news, uh, uh, we have no Borgstrom and no Alexi Sarela. Uh, both are staying in Finland. Uh with Sorella, the reports are that it's mainly due to the fact that there was um, it's a big process to come over. And if, you know, with the competition in camp, if he didn't make the team, then it was going to be a whole process and it was just easier for him to stay overseas. And it's kind success. of the, the AHLs. I, I know they plan on starting on the 5th, February 5th, but yeah, it's not set in stone. I don't think. Yeah, it's, there's still some uncertainty around that. I doubt that the Canadian government makes the exceptions that they made for the NHL at the AHL level. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what actually happens with the AHL. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so yeah, just easier for Sorella to stay overseas. With Borgstrom, obviously a player who's, you know, not panned out so far. He's had a lot of injuries. Um both of them unsigned, um, but uh, Bill Zito said he has not ruled out a return to the Panthers at some point throughout the season for Borgstrom. Um, but I think right now they're operating under the assumption that he's going to be over there uh, in Finland for the duration of the year. Uh, are you surprised by this? Things a big loss for the Panthers. I, I'm a little surprised with the Borgstrom. The um, Sorella, okay. I'm a little surprised by Borgstrom. I really thought he could make the team this year. Um, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I would love to see him come come in after. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the Panthers are going to be a really interesting team to watch in, the, in this. What do they call the division? I, Central. Central. Um, I think so. I don't know. Yeah. So much going on. So confused. Yeah, which so, I always am, but and I really hope to see Tippett and Denisenko make the team. Well, um, I think Coach Q said the other day that, or maybe it was yesterday, 
uh, that both would be given, you know, a good shot in camp and good opportunity to make this team. Um, so it seems like it's up to them. Uh, I think based on the players that they have there at camp, I think both have a, a pretty good opportunity to make this team and hopefully can, can make an impact this year, uh, which would go a long way in uh, helping the Panthers try to earn a playoff spot in a, in a tough division. Exactly. Which, I mean, we've seen some of, some of the other podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network have put out their rankings of, of how they think the division standings are going to finish, which we will do at some point. But it's just blasphemous how so many of them have the Panthers out of the playoffs, not even giving them a chance. I mean, first of all, first of all, whoever says that the, I, I don't think the Predators finish above the Panthers. I think there's no way that happens. Um, I, as, as you said uh, earlier, uh, the Predators is basically just fool's gold at this point. Um, I not sold on them whatsoever. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's up to them to surprise us, but I think that people are sleeping on the Panthers and they, they have a chance at making, at making the playoffs. And I don't think anybody can deny that. Um, but it's, it's up to the Panthers to prove everyone wrong. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of people that have the Blue Jackets ahead of the Panthers. The Blue Jackets, which, sure, they're a good team. They made the playoffs last year. Whatever. But your star player wants out. Yeah. And I don't know who else can score on that team. Maybe I mean, Cam Atkinson. He didn't, he didn't do – like, he's been underwhelming, I think. So I mean – Bjorkstrand's pretty good. I like Bjorkstrand. Yeah, I'll yeah. give him that. And I I know you're a huge Alexander Tessier fan. Uh, well, Alexander, yeah, he's fantastic. He's the best. Yeah. Uh, so I guess so I might low key be a Blue Jackets fan. It's gonna but... be really interesting. I think Max Domi will have a great season in Columbus as well. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but, but I will say like I I wouldn't be surprised. Like, do not count the Panthers out of the playoff chase. Like I firmly believe that they're they're right in there yeah i mean it's tough because they have so many new pieces coming in and so and and obviously pieces moving out as well uh so with that like it, it kind of feels like to me like at this point it's kind of just a coin toss as to whether or not they make it exactly right based on uh what we've seen so far and i mean duclair uh he's got he's getting the opportunity right now to play on that top line with huberto and barkov uh, which I think is probably the right spot for him uh, based on everything we've seen from him as a player. Uh, but if that line can can click right out of the gate, uh, that could be huge for this team. But yeah. I think the, the difficulty will be early on because there is a short training camp, no preseason. Uh, and so with so many new pieces coming in, finding chemistry quickly is going to be key. And so I think right out of the gate, the teams that have mostly the same groups returning, those are the teams that are going to have success right away and might fade down the stretch. Uh, whereas a team like the Panthers, uh, they, they might take a, a, a couple weeks to get going, but once they're there, uh, they can be a really good team. Yeah, they really can. And I mean, we'll, we'll see everything on January 14th. We will see the stars. 
I mean, uh, all I'm saying is like I would not be surprised like if Anthony Declare hits like twenty goals, thirty goals. No, oh, I I think me. twenty goals is super realistic, especially if he ends up playing with Barkov and Huberto yeah. during the season. Which I mean is the perfect spot because he's like Anthony Declare, pretty good offensive player. Obviously, you know he was probably uh, his numbers are a little bit better than he probably was at the start of the year, and then a little bit worse towards the end, even though he wasn't playing that much worse. Yeah. I think. Um, but not a great defensive player. So putting him in a spot where he can be on a line with Barkov and Huberto, who are both pretty competent in the defensive zone, I think will go uh, a long way to unlocking all of the offenses he can bring. Definitely. And then you add in, if you add in Tippett and Denisenko contributing uh, lower down in the roster, I think this team can absolutely compete with uh, the other teams in this division. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. 100%. Um, but we will preview all of that and more uh, on future episodes of the podcast. Um, but as for this episode, that kind of wraps things up. Thank you to everyone tuning in. And we will be back Thursday with a brand new episode. And we'll see you all then. Do that!